One evangelist in the debate over women's ordination diminished the work of prophets, as if to say that being a prophet is less of an ordained calling. God specifically calls prophets. This isn't just some laying on of human hands. God places upon prophets a massive task to speak to those who profess the knowledge of scripture but don't act accordingly. It is said that prophets often face opposition not so much from the heathen, but from those who swear by heaven but live an inch from the devil. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hi, I'm Kathy, and these are my awesome guests. So happy you guys are here with me. Uh, why don't we start off by introducing yourselves, give me your name and your favorite color. Okay, my name is Alyssa Jeffers and my favorite color would be blue. My name is Elroy Byam and my favorite color like Alyssa's is blue as well. Oh, do we have another blue over there? <laughs> well, uh, my name is Eric Sloan and I am also a blue fan. Wow, nice. that's awesome. Well, I'm yellow, so... <laughs> um, Elroy, why don't you start us off by reading uh, our verse and maybe having a prayer for us before we begin? Sure. Thanks. Uh, this verse is found in Jeremiah 17, 14, and it reads, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Father God, as we begin this lesson, we ask that you just open our hearts and minds to receive a word, something. Let us know that you are there and give us uh, hope for the future. It is our prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. So the title of this lesson is Rebuke and I, I don't like this word. Retribution. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. So I renamed it myself and I'm going to call it hashtag real talk because all of the, like this whole lesson is so good. Um, so um, this lesson kind of focused more on when Jeremiah is pointing fingers, you know, and not necessarily in a bad way because sometimes fingers need to be pointed and things need to be called out, which brings us to our first question that says, um, what is your initial reaction when you hear something that you know is right, um, but you don't want to hear it? So like when someone's like, oh, Elroy, not supposed to be doing that, bro. What? Like what? Is that what you do? Is that your reaction? Yeah, I mean, I get defensive. I'm like, seriously? Like, I'm sure you have problems with, with yourself or you're, I'm sure you've done stuff wrong, you know? So I'm like, why are you looking at me for? Like, what did I do wrong? So I, um, in turn, get very defensive. Do all of you guys get defensive? Yeah, yeah. I get defensive. Yeah, I tend to, uh, to try to, like, I really don't like being wrong. And I wish this wasn't the case, but I'm... I'm not necessarily the most humble person, so I try to, uh, to put it back on that person. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'm the only one here that does no, that. No. <laughs> I am the justifying queen. Like, when someone says I'm doing something wrong, I'll tell them why I'm doing it wrong. And it's right that I'm doing it wrong because I'm right and you're wrong. Like, that's, that's like always my um, go-to. Do you think, how can we avoid doing that? Because I'm sure we all do that at some point in time, but how can we get used to people talking to us in that way or not necessarily in a mean way pointing fingers but kind of acknowledging how do we acknowledge when somebody tells us oh 
you know, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Or have you prayed about this? Like you probably shouldn't be doing that. I think you have to think about the manner um, in which they're telling it to you. You know, if they really care about you and they care about your interests, then eventually you're going to say, OK, well, let me internalize and see what I did wrong and uh, or what I need to do and uh, find a way to work from there. Not everybody that tells you about yourself is telling it to you from a bad place. Mm -hmm. you know, so. That's very true. I know, like with parents, for sure, you know, it's really easy to just feel defensive and whatnot. But honestly, I think as you get older and when you become a parent, you understand the intentions behind what they say to you. So, are any of these parents? Not yet. No, not yet. No. So that's what. So technically, it's what we hear that, you know. <laughs> um, have you ever thought of how you distinguish from people pointing fingers in the right way or people pointing fingers in the wrong way? If that, I don't know if that question makes any sense. You kind of have to look at uh, not only the way in which they present it to you, but their intentions as well. Some people will point out things to you that may or may not be wrong, but they have the goal of putting you on the defensive, make, trying to make you slip up. So I think you kind of need to look at that. Like, why, why, why are you telling me this? Are you telling this because you like me or because you don't like me? Oh, well, sure. I think Eric makes a great point. And I mean, if you bring it back to the context of Jeremiah, the, these were Jeremiah's people. You know, these were people I'm sure that uh, Jeremiah grew up with, that he loved. And here he is hearing a message from the Lord, you know, trying to uh, uh, relay that message to them, but they don't want to hear it and they get defensive, so to speak. So. Well, knowing that Jeremiah went back to these people who he's known, um, would that make it, let's say one of our friends that we've known for a long time would do the same thing to us. Would that make us more receptive to the message? Or w in a way, would it make us more like, whoa, like, what are you saying? Again, it, it depends on and intentions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the lesson talks a little bit about um, political stance, vaguely touches on it. And our next question says, how do secular politics influence our Christian beliefs? Um, and this is kind of a funny question because it's like, we can go so many ways on this. But when I read this question, I just thought political influence. I thought of polit political parties. And how, how can those political parties, if we, you know, if we're from a specific party, not mentioning one or the other, but like if we are, how, does, how, does, how can that influence or our beliefs? How can that change our beliefs? Or, Well, I think, I think that's an interesting point because in the United States, we believe in the separation of church and state. And uh, the First Amendment dictates that we cannot make laws based on any religion, whether that be Christianity, uh, Buddhism, whatever. Like we, by law, cannot make laws about that. So that being said, uh, we kind of have to, to look like who, whose secular laws better fit God's laws? Because, I mean, no one is perfect, and no secular law is going to be just like God's laws, but mm -hmm. we can't really uh, put those things together, at least not here yeah. in this, the country that we live in right now. Well, I just feel like a lot of it, it's polar. Is that the expression for it? Like, you're either very secular or you're very conservative, and one way or the other, it's going to pull you away from the, like, our beliefs in Christ. I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're too conservative, you don't, 
you're not receptive to what Christ is telling you. If you're too liberal, you're doing everything on your own anyway. So you, why do you need anybody to tell you what to do? I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I look at it from a matter of, uh, you know, you look at politics in general and it could be, a, oh, I have an agenda and I'm right and you're wrong. And so the way that influences Christian beliefs is often we might have an agenda and as Christians we might feel right and everybody else around us is wrong. So that's the way it can creep in, not necessarily, uh, you know, taking into account how other people may feel or their belief systems, but realizing that we might have some absolute truth and people need to hear it and everyone needs to convert no matter what the consequence or the circumstance. You're saying that that is the like that that is how we should push it no not how we should push it i'm just saying that's the way it can influence you know there being uh everyone believing that they have an absolute truth Truth, and them pushing an agenda um how can we separate i guess going back to what you said separate church and state well you know there, (laughs) there are a whole lot of issues that uh you know I I probably shouldn't bring them up, but there are a lot of issues (laughs) (laughs) where uh, Christians feel one way and non-Christians feel another way. And this being a place where everyone has a say in the politics, uh, some laws are passed that Christians don't agree with, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. (laughs) Should I, I try my best, and I think everyone should as well, to just... Do, do unto the law what is necessary, but we don't have to agree with the politics. We don't have to agree with the stances that other people take to bring up laws, but you know we don't have to follow them either. Well, well, I don't mean break we, them. Break them, but yeah, but we don't have to partake in, in certain things that are legal. Yes, Just I get what you're evil. saying. Yeah. I mean, do you guys understand what he's saying? Okay. <laughs> um, our next question talks about a little bit about faith, and it kind of goes to what we're talking about. It says, how can you learn to trust in the Lord more than you have before? Um, and the second part of that is, what are ways that you can step out into faith right now and do what is right in the eyes of the Lord? So that second part kind of talks about, it, there's sometimes everybody around you, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the way it works. Like when you give your heart to Christ, you are going to be going against the flow. You are going to, have you guys seen those little Jesus stickers that they're like the one fish fish. is going this way and they're all going. And that's the way it's going to be. Like whether things around you are legal or not legal, like coming from that political standpoint, um, you are going to have to step out into faith at some point in time and talk about your beliefs. How can we do that? Um, strongly like without straying away from or you know or offending anybody you need a lot of faith and a lot of hope you know uh you you go back to that time uh you know jeremiah is this prophet and he's he's been around a lot of you know kings just doing horrible things completely stepping away from the directives of the lord and so Jeremiah's telling them, look, turn back, um, you know, turn away from your ways, come back and, and repent. You know, they were, they uh, wanted to be so much like the, the nations around them. You know, the, um, some of the idols came uh, back into, uh, into the nation and they were worshiping and doing all these other things. And so 
you learn to trust in God in a situation like that by realizing that if he sent you a message, no matter what, he always keeps his promise. And so it might not happen in your time, but uh, in the time afterwards, he's going to fulfill it. So I think that's where trust comes in, in, in knowing that God keeps his word. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, okay, that's, I mean, that's a good point. What happens, what can you do with the people that are being persecuted who do step out into faith and do, you know, how can, how can we help those people? Um, the, the actual question reads, uh, what can you do to help people persecuted within the church? I think the biggest thing is, um, like we've mentioned before, not trying to push our agenda. Like there's several people in my life that they do things that I, you know, don't agree with and, you know, they don't understand the, the reason why I do the things I do, but I never try to push my agenda on them. Like I, I accept them as they are, love them as they are, and in turn, they never, you know, push the same on me. So I think it's a matter of respect of boundaries and you know, just accepting people and showing them yeah. the love of Christ. I think, to be honest, this is something that within the recent years, I've felt very strongly about. Um, my close friends and family, there, there are a lot of them who have been persecuted by the church, um, by, some, by some branch of the church. And it hurts me because that's not, that's not what Jesus did, you know? And it's like, we look, at, we look at the sin versus pushing that aside and loving them first. And, but what can we do to people who have already been persecuted by, you know, those branches of, of the church? Oh, um, I, I too know people that have been persecuted by various people in the church and I, I first, first and foremost, before anything else, I remind them that the church is a body of people, or just people. Uh, no one in the church is without fault. No one is without sin. Mm, yeah. That's a Bible promise. Everyone is born into sin. So we can't, we can't uh, you know, discount the church simply because people aren't correct. We need to, to first look into ourselves make sure and like strengthen our relationship with God. And after that, you know, or during that, we talk to the people that are persecuting you, try to, try to let, let them know how one side feels, yeah, you know, how the other side message. feels. Yeah. Kind of try to build, build the bridge again because that's, that's what Jesus would do. That's yeah. what Jesus wants. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's so hard sometimes. I know, and social media, I think, plays such a big part into this. But um, recently there was something within our church that caused a lot of stir um, on social media. And you saw a lot of people go one way or the other. Oh, I'm leaving church because this happened. Or, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, this is my church, you know, like. And I feel like we forgot where our roots are. And I'm skipping over a few questions, but there's like, one of the questions here is, what does the image of tree planted by the water mean in pra practical terms for your Christian experience? But I think we can touch on this now because that we lose that sometimes when we feel that we're persecuted by the church or we feel like people around us don't agree with what we're doing and we're like, oh, the whole church is bad. Oh, they're not, you know, instead of being like, okay, why is it that I do what I do? Or why is it that I go to church or why? 
Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, a lot of a lot of times, Satan will use church members to try to discourage people from the church. That's always been one of his methods, and he's going to continue doing that uh, until the end of the days. But again, you just have to to really put your put look in inward. You know, look at your relationship with God. Make sure. What maybe maybe you feel like you're being persecuted, maybe you're wrong. I've seen people that like felt very strongly about something, but the Bible clearly said something else. And when I confronted them about it and I said, Look, this is this is what the Bible says and uh and we had prayed over it and just because their relationship with God was strong, they were able to realize, like, hey, you know what, you were right. Like yeah. Change, change their mind, but not to uh, not to change your mind every time you're persecuted by the church. Either. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's not what I'm saying at all. But just have a have a very you know a spiritual mindset. Um, well, then going back to rooted the imagery of the the tree rooted by the water. What does that mean for you guys, or what do you guys picture when you see that? I'm I'm thinking of an. Uh, not an inanimate object, but something that is receiving nutrients, something that has spent a lot of time in one place and it's either flourishing and being nourished or it's either being destroyed and it's withering. So, I mean, you put that in a, a Christian perspective, if you will, and it's like, what are we spending our time in? You know, what are we rooted in? What is giving us nourishment and nutrients? And over time, are we um, flourishing and providing fruit or are we um, a source of destruction for somebody else? So that's the way I look at it. Okay. Any other ways of looking at it? Because I feel like we can go different ways with this tree thing. Mm -hmm. Not really. For the most part, that's, that's kind of how I feel. Like the more that we're connected with God in different ways, like through his word or um, through the counsel of other people, like, you know, depending on other people, um, the more we grow, flourish, prosper. Well, when I think of it, I think of... I grew up in Florida, and so I don't know what kind of trees they are because I'm so bad with tree names, but they had like really big roots, and you could see them outside the tree. And most of these trees were by bodies of water. Mind you, Florida, <laughs> you dig like three feet and there's water. So technically <laughs> they were all by water. But I just, I just think, you know, where, where are you planting your tree? You know, is it by a body of water or is it like far away? And if it's far away, where are you getting your nutrients from? Mm. And I think that that, when it comes to like being persecuted by the church or having someone point fingers at you, you would be able to go back to your roots and be like, okay, am, am I, am I like moving away, even though trees don't move, am I moving away <laughs> from the body of water or am I staying by that body of water? I don't know if I've seen another book in the Bible where God seemed further from his people, you know, than ever before. You know, at this point, Harsh. God yeah. was just so mm -hmm. upset. You know, he built this relationship with people and then the prophets and kings came by and they got so full of themselves, so far from God. And God is just like, look, he's like, Jeremiah, you know, you can pray for them, whatever. I, I don't even want to listen to them at this point. So he's like, unless they repent, unless they come back to their roots, you know, unless they realize that it's an inward transformation, not praying for all of the, you know, the other outward blessings, I don't, I don't want to deal with them, you know? And it's so sad um, that they, they, they couldn't find their root at this point. Um, Rich Mullins uh, once said, vengeance is a Lord's and I want to go about my father's business. 
How can a Christian keep their faith growing when their greatest obstacles are in the pew? Mm. So this is kind of still talking about what we were saying because, like I said, like recently I've just felt so strong about my close friends and family leaving the church because of things that people within the pews, people maybe that I, like maybe myself have done and instead of it bringing them closer to Christ, it's pushed them away. Mm-hmm. So how can we, how can we change this? Um, how can we keep their faith growing even within, even when, you know, there's still, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but like when you know that you're like pulling them closer to Christ, but you know that everyone that you know that is closer to Christ is pu- pulling them away. The last person we usually look at when it comes to change is ourself. And, uh, you know, it really isn't until you look at yourself and you ask, well, what, what, what's wrong with me? What am I doing right now uh, that's causing this situation? The sad thing is sometimes it's not always you. You know, and that's what uh, Jeremiah realized. He was like, "How?" He was like, "Lord, why are all the the the, uh, the evil people flourishing?" You know, and and that wasn't necessarily for God to answer, but it it's holding on to hope. You know, it's it's looking inwardly, and I believe holding on to to hope, knowing that God will um God's promises will come through, as I stated earlier. Then, how can we learn to trust in God, um, despite all the things that happen when that just doesn't seem to make sense? How, because everything we've just touched on, you know, like keep our roots planted and just be faithful and strong and everything that you see on like when you go to craft stores and the little cliche things. But how do you really, how, how does that happen? How can you stay rooted? I feel like I've used that word way too much today. I feel like um, what helps me is to remember the things that Christ went through. Like, you think about how he was persecuted, mocked, insulted, like, and he did that for us. So I guess that helps me put in perspective. Like, when I'm going through hard times, I have to remember the example he he was for us. Hmm. I mean, it's just the fact that the devil doesn't win. There's so many comparisons, um, as Elizabeth stated earlier, even between Jeremiah and Jesus. You know, first of all, nobody, no one um, likes or even respects a prophet, you know, in their hometown. They don't want to hear the message uh, that's telling them to repent and turn away from their ways. But, yeah, you ultimately hold on to faith when you know how the story ends. And the devil doesn't win. We see it in Revelation. It doesn't sound too, too great in Jeremiah now, but this is what? This is the middle of the book. It's the middle yeah, of the Bible, going, you know? Yeah. You know and it's not until you get to the end that you see things really start to turn, turn out better. Um, there's a lot of revivals and movements going on now, whether it be of secular things or um, spiritual things. Why is that? Why is it that? Ha- what are we seeking? Um, I'm, yeah. No? Oh, I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> um, for me, I feel like it's this inner tranquility, like mm-hmm. this peace that we just don't seem to have. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of it, and maybe this is just me, so I'm just gonna speak for myself right now, but I know that a lot of times when I'm frustrated about something or when I'm stressed, it's because I am focusing on my surroundings, on social media, my friends, my family, what do they think, what do they, whatever. And I have this longing for something else. And I feel like because of the fact that 
you know, I've, I've somewhat grown up in the church and um, I, I have friends to lean on. I know that ultimately that's what I'm seeking. But there's people out there seeking something that they don't know what it is. Mm. Uh, how can we address that? How can we help people know, hey, you know that thing that you don't know what you're missing, that thingy, Majigger? Yeah, it, it's peace and I know where to find it. How can we do that? I think by saying absolutely what you just said, I think it's phrased beautifully, you know. I think you. Seriously, I mean, people are looking for peace, and it's like, look, I know where to find this thing. You know, when certain people are thirsty, it's, hey, I know where to find water. You know, I know where to find food. I know where to find these these natural things that, that nourish you. Um, come with me. Come check it out. Rather than trying to bore the truth down their throats, and, you know, you, 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 kind of, you, you cater straight to their need, you know, and you say, look, I, I know where it is. Come check it out. You know, so I, I think that's, that's a, it's a good step. I think a whole, sorry, no. I think a whole lot of us, uh, just like, you know, other people in the Bible, we, we have this hole in our heart, and we feel the need to, to fill it, and we think that it's going to be so hard. We would climb mountains, we would swim oceans, we would do all sorts of stuff, and we, when we lose sight of God, we never come back. We, ne we never remember that. It's as simple as giving your heart to God, you know, making sure that He is with you all the time, uh, strengthening your relationship with Him. That's all He wants. He doesn't need us to go out and preach to 100,000 people in the grandstands of whatever. He just wants us to, to love Him the way that we love Him. And once we, once we see that, you know, He can open the doors for for us to do anything. Yeah. But that peace, that peace comes from, you know, reading the Bible every day. How did God react when Jeremiah expressed his spiritual discouragement? Um, and why should we take our faiths and struggles to God? And I love this question because that is a story of my life. Um, I feel like in every moment in my journey, in my walk with God, it's the moments of which I have fought with God and asked him, bro, what is going on? Like, why? What? Why? Those are the, those are the times where my faith was straight, strengthened. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like we, we are so scared to do that. And I know, um, I know a lot of uh, older generations, you know, it, it's a certain kind of respect level. And there's a fine line, you know, um, you know, you can't talk to God that way, you can't, whatever, yet they always tell us, oh, Jesus is tu amigo, Jesus is your friend, you know, um, but if he's your friend, you know, how are, I, I talk to my friends and I'm like straight up honest with them, and I think that, that ultimately that's what God calls us to do, is take our struggles to him and just tell him what's up, right? Sure. And I think that's a good way of um, ending this uh, lesson for today. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to my ranting. <laughs> if you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of the Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Kathy Britton.